The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. Hi, this is Lady Petra. I'm Safa Master. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so what are we drinking today? Well... When we first started this podcast, I think our first or second drink was called a COVID juice. COVID-19. COVID-19 juice, yeah. Yeah, which is really a dry martini. So we're having, again, a dry martini. So it's this one I use four parts gin and, no, four and a half parts gin and three quarters of a part of vermouth and then a lemon twist. You use Tangeray gin. Tangeray, and I use the Dolan vermouth, the new one. It's delicious. That vermouth is really herbaceous. Yeah. So it's just a little different than, than uh, Martini and Rossi's yeah. vermouth, which is dry, but doesn't have as many botanicals in it. There's definitely a floral note to this. You notice that? Yeah. yeah. I definitely taste it. Yeah. And when I did research on it, the last drink I made with it, I can't remember what it was, but I did research on the manufacturer of it and um, I found out it's way more botanical floral uh, kind of yeah. thing yeah gotcha well I think I said before and I'll say it again the way this drink is made mm-hmm. is how I measure the efficacy of a bartender's mixology skills really and, and this is this is well made you have excellent mixology skills oh thank you yeah. I stirred it well I have got the spoon stirring thing down pretty pretty I even read another article about spoon stirring to try to figure out if I could improve that. Yeah. And I've got it where, you know, the concave, the the belly of the spoon is facing the interior of the, the whole liquid. Time. And the way you move, roll the spoon in your fingers yes. allows it to turn and keeping the concave on the outside. Yes. And the then con- you're supposed to... The on the outside. Yeah, the backside on the outside. And then you're supposed to then lift it up and down and, and kind of pull it towards you a little bit. Yeah. Which creates that spinning motion of the spoon. It's yeah. very slight. It's not like you're pushing the liquid back and forth in the mixer, but it's this motion like this that actually gets it. It's a pinching motion is what they yeah. call it. And, and and the purpose of that is so you don't over water your drink. Yeah, you want it cold. You want it but cold, but not... And the key water. to help with that is if you chill the glasses like we do, yeah. that just adds another element of mm. layer to it. Mm-hmm. So it's quite good. And this is just, you know, Tangeray. You could use all kinds of different gins. Yeah. I think what we did, COVID juice, and I will put this in as a dry martini. It'll be repetitive of the other drink, but it is a new gin in this martini because last time we used Bombay. Yeah. And I think the thing about gin martinis is you want them to be London dry gins as opposed to like Hendrix, which is a much more floral gin, which doesn't make a great gin martini, but it does make a great gin and tonic. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so well. I wonder. You know how we went into the store, and I, I pointed out Bombay has the big blue Bot- dry, yeah, and then they have that Asian version. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I want to. I want to look at that with you because maybe yeah. that's good for gin and, gin and tonics yeah. because of the way it's made with the florals or whatever. I yeah, don't know. it's different. I think it might be good. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we're pretty low energy right now because oh, I'm so low energy <laughs> because we had. Like an incredibly hot sex afternoon. Oh my god! I yes. mean, it was it was everything. Yeah, yeah, it was intense. And you know, we went to bed late, and I didn't fall asleep until like I think twelve thirty. Yeah. I mean, I slept a doze, but I really kept waking up. 
And then I realized I got to get up at five and then it just started this process. And then of course, when you go on your walk, I'm excited to go play so that yeah. my energy goes up again. But we, I'm wiped. I'm totally wiped. <laughs> so this is actually a great topic that we have today because yeah. it's in our wheelhouse and we both have experience with it and standards, you know, and ideas yeah. behind it. So no one, uh, no one kit is on FetLife and, um, this listener uh, asked us to talk about the importance of vetting potential doms and play partners. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes along with subs too. But you yes. know, when you're vetting anyone yeah. to play with, and that could be formal professional vetting, let's just say if you're a dominant and you're vetting a sub, but subs equally have to do- vet doms. So I think, I think yeah. that's something we speak into. So vetting because is you a, may not know each other at all. No, exactly. Yeah, vetting is a very interesting idea. You know, it's kind of like if you were going to be hiring somebody, the way you would vet them is you would check their references, mm-hmm. you would look at products that they've created, you look at their work history, you would look at their, you know, bio. You'd get like the full picture of who this person is. Mm-hmm before you consider offering them a job, mm-hmm. right? So that's what vetting implies. And if you're vetting a play partner, there's so many considerations mm-hmm. because safety first, yeah. right? Secondly, fetish lists are long. Yep. Thirdly, intensities vary. Mm-hmm. Fourthly, frequency, location, duration, um, number of partners they have, number of partners they had. I think there's a multi-tiered vetting, too, because you vet before you've even met to decide if it's worth meeting. You vet possibly with the chance of meeting. Yeah. And then you might continue vetting even in a certain period of, of, like, a probationary period of playtime. Right. I mean, I believe that that's possible. I think uh, when we talk, when we interviewed Lady Swan, I mean, she definitely has a vetting procedure. She alluded yeah. to on yeah. surely just to get her attention, you have to have a CV that is mm-hmm. that gathers her attention, and mm-hmm. and um, I believe in the same thing. And I had done this when we first were pl- having me kind of look at cucks and things and way long ago and then now of course with the online domination I had put together like they need to have like kind of like a CV too I kind of had that yeah. prospect like I need to have these kinds of things and so it's interesting that I have a sub doing that right now because he wants to find his one so in order to market this person in a way so they can find the person that's best aligned for them it's important that they follow through with this now our coaching, what's wonderful about our, our task-a-day coaching, if you do the, just the regular task-a-day coaching, is it really gets a lot of those questions answered that then can be transposed to a CV um, because it lists, you list your hard limits, you list what kind of partners, you're, all these questions that we ask along the way that you've built upon and really became resolute with what you understand yourself to be. And so then your CV is very clear. Yeah, so what you're, what you're getting at is that if you know your own authentic self, it's much easier to have a construct in which you can invite somebody to participate mm-hmm. with you because you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Now, it's quite conceivable that you meet somebody online. Sure. So then how do you vet them? Well, you chat with them online as a place yeah. to start. Mm-hmm. You, you look at their profile. Yeah. You look at their writings. You look at their at their fetish list. You look at which groups they belong to. Mm-hmm. You look at their videos. Yeah. You you look at their pictures. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of who they are by the way they present themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you start a conversation. Yeah. Ask questions. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. You know, there's no such thing as a bad question. There's you only have bad lots answers. of questions between each other before even playing oh, online. Months of questions. Lots of questions. And in fact, you even led yourself after the 
questions got far enough along, then you vetted me in a task to see if Correct. I was a masochist. So, I mean, there's vetting going on on both sides all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, up until the point that we actually met in person, mm -hmm. the only relationship I had with you was a digital relationship. Right. I had chatted with you online. And we had talked the had had a, a little bit of a texting relationship back and forth. Mm -hmm. And we had talked on the phone. So all of those things took place before we met. Mm -hmm. And when we met, we met, you know, over a drink in a restaurant mm -hmm. to have a face-to-face -face conversation. And the, the tone of that conversation, my body language, your body language, mm -hmm. the relatedness that we had, the friendship that was present, mm -hmm. the, just the affinity that was present, led us to want to have a second meeting. Mm -hmm. Right? Definitely. Now, it worked out for us that we didn't have a second meeting for some time. Mm -hmm. But the second time we met was also over lunch. Mm -hmm. You know, so we met again in a restaurant to have an ongoing conversation. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, we're we're sizing each other up. We're <laughs> assessing the situation. We're right. trying to imagine ourselves with this person. We're mm -hmm. trying to imagine them with us. Mm -hmm. And it's all in the world of determining if there's affinity. So all relationships consist of three things. They consist of affinity, which is your willingness to share space together. Mm -hmm. Reality, which is the degree to which you agree on the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And your capacity to communicate. Those yeah. three things. Yeah. And some relationships, like the relationship you and I have now, we have a lot of like if that was a triangle, we'd have a lot of space in affinity, reality, and communication. Mm -hmm. But if it might be somebody that I don't know very well, and I might have a tiny little amount of affinity or not really much agreement with them with the way the world mm -hmm. works, and we don't really communicate that well. Mm -hmm. So you can think about those two things. Like all three of those things have to be present for there to be the potential for a relationship to develop. And that could be anything. Ours happens to be 24-7 TPE. Yeah. It might be someone just wants a play partner. You know, there's a num numerous things that can develop from there. But you have to be clear about what you want. That was one thing I was clear about. And yes. I was clear, you were clear about, when I started communicating with you. Yeah. Um, no, that's right. If you're not clear about what you want. I mean, you said it right on your seeking, and I knew what I wanted. Yes. And so for me, it was like... I want to talk to this person versus other profiles that didn't, I didn't even talk to the person to begin with because their profile expressed something different. Yes. No, that's why I say, you know, your vetting process begins with assessing their profile. You know, on Fat Life, it's great. There's, you're basically putting yourself as a king forward mm -hmm. sub or dom or whatever, mm -hmm. and you get to articulate where you stand. It's your, it's your exposing, exposing yourself to the world. And the question is, how does that exposure play? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing for them. They get to expose themselves to the world. Yeah. And so that's the first place to start. I think it's important. Some people were like, oh, no big deal. I didn't put any effort into my profile. And I get right. all of that. Right. But I guess I'm anal and I'm also about complete work. Yes. And if you're going to put yourself forward into a dynamic that I think have a high affinity for or... Um, I don't know if you know if that's the right word, but um, I have a, high, a lot of respect for the de the intentional uh, dedication involved in being in a kink forward relationship. That you can't; it's not half-assed. Nothing's half-assed in the yeah, sense that you are communicating, and you got to communicate well, or there's going to be misunderstandings, or you know, no agreements on right. some level. Uh, or no consent, which is even worse. Right. Um, so I always get suspect when someone wants all this stuff, espouses that they want stuff, maybe not even on their profile, but just in messages, yet their profile has nothing. And I'm not saying 
someone has to post nude pictures of themselves. That's not a requirement per se. No. You can do however you want on that. I'm talking about being clear in your about section or in your writings. Um, you've put some time in. That's another thing I remember when I first got in FetLife, people wouldn't talk to me because I had nothing on my... They told me straight up, you have nothing on your profile. Right. And so I said, well, I, I'm just looking for this. I don't really want to put... And, and I was like, they're like... Yeah, I don't know who you are. You have nothing on your profile, and it's not interesting to me. Right. So, so. so that was an eye-opener for me, because I thought I could just get in there, create a profile, kind of leave it whatever, right, and then yeah. go looking for somebody. Uh, and I didn't really think about that. You were being vetted right away. Yes. Yeah. And so then I had to, like, kind of play catch-up with, like, getting into Fet Life, which isn't it isn't terribly difficult, but really figuring out... Some of these areas I had to define myself, and I was like, I don't know, you know, right. and I was like, but what it forced me to do is clarify who I was and what I was looking for versus yes. just being like, well, whatever, I don't know, I'll morph to whatever you say you want. Well, yeah. that's not what people are looking for. No. Not in the, that may work in vanilla, but it doesn't work in um, kink for sure. Yeah. So, you know, so you start with the. Uh, um, their internet profile. Mm-hmm. Maybe you start having some message exchanges, mm-hmm. and you and you get a, a sense of the tone of their messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, like the question. The question is, is it messaging that speaks to you? Yeah, and everyone's different. And for yeah. example, I'm not. I don't particularly like to be called a cunt or a bitch, especially right. if I'm not doing anything. Right. That would elicit that. Right. And you'll get people who are into that or who think women are into that. If you notice, there's a ton of female profiles, no matter if they're uh, gay, straight, or whatever. But they state clearly in their about, don't, I'm not your baby, don't call me your bitch, I'm right. not your cunt, my pussy is not yours. Right. Because often... Um, and it's not just males, but but whoever's pursuing the other person often come off really hardcore. Yeah. And it that's no different than going in a bar and someone side, side, saddling up to you at the bar and saying, hey, pussy, can I buy you a drink or something? You know, yeah. whatever. It, you're probably going to get the same reaction from yeah. most people. Most people want to know who you are. And kinksters often want to have, it doesn't have to be a huge affinity, but something that gets you connected. Yeah, there's definitely there are definitely kinksters who are interested in just the just the kink. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's fine. And we're not talking well, about. And that's what a lot of dungeons and play spaces are for. You can yeah. meet a total stranger, but they say they're a flogging master or something like yeah. that, and so you're like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do that. I get that. Yeah. So we're not talking about that. We're uh-uh. not talking about that. We're talking about. You know, if you're looking to meet somebody to have a relationship with them, that, that of which mm-hmm. kink is a part. Mm-hmm. So, so now you start chatting with them, and you get the measure of their their discourse, texting, messaging, emails. None of that is conversation. No, that's just texting and messaging, mm-hmm. and you can take a measure of a person from the way that they involve themselves in messaging. That's not to say you can accept or reject them as a partner on that basis. Correct. But you might get a good feeling or a bad feeling about them. Yeah, I do think that's true. Yeah, and so if you get a good feeling, the next thing to do is actually have a conversation. Yes. The way to vet somebody is in a conversation. And you actually have a conversation and you listen to their tone and the way they speak to you and the way you speak to them and you determine on that basis, is there some affinity there? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. You agree to meet. Mm-hmm. Best to meet in a public place. Yeah. Best to meet in a place where you know there's no expectation of sex. Yeah, that's usually for a first meeting. That's for sure. I think. Yeah. You don't know who you're getting into. Don't know who you're meeting, and you get to see them in person. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're sitting across from them, and you get to take then you get to take in their body language. You get to take in their facial expressions. Their manner. Their manner. Their tone, mm-hmm. their hygiene. I mean, you right. can you can see All a lot, mm-hmm. yeah. And and you can decide on that basis whether or not you might consider yet another face to face meeting, mm-hmm. either in person or or maybe you're comfortable and you agree to play with them. Mm-hmm. Now, 
that's just the aspect of vetting for relationship purposes. Now, if you want to vet somebody as a play partner, mm-hmm. now you've got a, a bunch of kinks, and they have a bunch of kinks. And what lines up? And what lines up, right? And so you've got to go through their kinks, mm-hmm. and you've got to check off their kinks against your kinks, and you've got to find out, like, here are a bunch of kinks that I don't have that I'm interested in learning about mm-hmm. or I don't want to participate in, mm-hmm. and you get to kind of have that experience. Now, you can do that ideally in a conversation, right. you know. Um, if you can have a conversation with somebody that gets to that level of intimacy, because mm-hmm. that's that's a very intimate it's conversation. Intimate. Yeah. But, but that's a really great conversation to have. Like, I'm interested to know what your desires are and what mm-hmm. you would like done to you and what you would like to do to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested for you to know what my desires are mm-hmm. and what I would like done to me and what I would like you to, to I mean to do to you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So you start having those conversations and that gets you to a place where you can actually determine we're going to go on and and have a play scene. Mm -hmm. And we're going to set the groundwork and the rules for what that play scene looks like. Mm -hmm. And we're going to make agreements around it. We're going to agree on safe words. We're going to agree on the parameters of it. And and that's how how you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think in there just for safety, like we talked about, you know, part of the discussion, it's not always everyone's favorite, but you you know you got to be practicing safe sex because mm-hmm. especially if this is a new play partner you haven't been with before mm-hmm. and you're vetting someone, there's no use in putting your health at risk or their health at risk for that matter, um, just because you want to play, just because right. you're in. And what happens often, people get all jazzed up in the meeting and they want it to lead like we want to leave here and then go play right now, and often cooler heads are a little better. So generally, if you can quell it initially and say, let's meet again next time, uh, then you've got someone who's not jumping the gun on stuff because you've got, there's other questions you have to ask and there's other things you have to address. And it's easy. I'm, I get it. I get people that just jump the sack. I get that. But there's a huge risk there. There really has to be a conversation and about with, safe With sex. the dominant, too. Like if you, yeah. you can get all this, what you believe is consent... And, I mean, let's be honest. I think men are, have often been put in this situation, but this can happen. On a dime, a woman can turn and say, I didn't give you permission to do that. You just raped me. Mm-hmm. Or, I didn't give you permission to flog me. Maybe you thought it was implied. Or, because you guys were all hot at dinner, you came home and it just led to that. And she says, I'm going to press charges you beat me. I mean, I'm not saying kink. I don't, you don't need to be fearful of kinksters. I think generally kinksters are straightforward, but there's also a lot of people out there that are, let's be honest, are in it to get people, blackmail people, all kinds of things. Yeah, I haven't had that experience. No, which is good. Yeah, but I do agree that that the most, the two most important aspects of vetting mm-hmm. are about sexual safety mm-hmm. and consent. Mm-hmm. Those are the two most important aspects. You, you have to be clear about what you're consenting to mm-hmm. yeah. or what you're giving your consent to. And you have to be clear that the person you're playing with is disease-free or if they have a disease, how you're going to protect yourself. Exactly. It's not like you can't play if you have something, but you have to be protected. Yeah. And, in, and, in, and understanding and communication is in... Uh, Consent has to be active listening. So when someone says, yeah, you can flog me, then you can say, I'm hearing you say I can flog you. Does that yeah. mean at this? And then you ask for clarification. Does that mean with a flogger or a crop or a paddle or my hand? Yeah, it's getting It's getting, it's getting clear yeah. on what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that there's a certain point in a kink dynamic where you've had enough experience playing with somebody where the if consent... it's more than one time, yeah. Yeah, where, where the consent is implied. Yeah. Well, you have agreements usually in place. Yes, but you can't assume that in your first interaction with somebody. 
You can't assume in your first action, and even if it's ongoing, let's just say, because regardless of the dynamics anyone creates, we're human, biological humans. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone has decided to be completely, deeply submissive, and they're having a moment. I don't know. A physical moment could be... Feeling unwell. Unwell, like sick. But... um, that needs to be communicated because the, those those uh, situations can lead in a bad direction very quickly sure. without the other person realizing that's what's going on. So part of it is the communication on both sides, yeah. making sure. And that you may have agreements in place, but if something major happens, then you have to use your safe word or, you know, stop play or what right. what have you. And I think that's key. And that goes back to the consent. Um, I think I think that when you're vetting somebody. It's important to make sure that the safe words mean what they mean to yeah. each of you. Yeah. You know, I had a situation in the past where a submissive had called a red in a safe word situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's a very simple thing. That's just stop what you're doing. Play is done. Play is done. Mm-hmm. Go home. Mm-hmm. That's, there's no, it's not a negotiation. Well, take care of whatever's happening. You take care, yeah. yeah, but you don't, but you don't continue the scene. Correct. And and afterwards, she was upset because she didn't want to go home. She wanted to continue the scene, but we had already an, a standing agreement that that's what red meant. Now, after that, she said, "I want to renegotiate what red means." Mm-hmm. And so, what she wanted it to mean was, "Stop what you're doing now entirely and do something else altogether." Which is different. That's mm-hmm. not the, not totally. the same thing, right? So, so then if she used that as that, what did she use for that's it, no more? Yeah, so... What was it, stop? Or no, what was no. That's what she wanted. I, I didn't make that agreement with oh, her. Oh, okay. That, that's what she wanted That's what she wanted, me. but that didn't mean that you... No, because, because for me, that's yellow, right? Yellow yes. is, let's continue the scene, to, you know, lighten up or whatever, right? But red is stop. So yeah. okay. So... We we never we never um, came to an agreement. Came on to it? A, a further agreement on. We left it as as it was. Oh okay okay, which makes sense. But there was a there, there was, was a clarification. There was a though. clarification that occurred, right? Yeah. So, it's important that you, as a submissive, understand that you have access to your safe words, and that the person you're considering as a dominant is a is a person who understands your safe words, your intention to use them the way that you intend to use them, and what they specifically imply. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if you're making a list of things to vet, like safe words is a thing to vet, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and safety is a thing to vet. Mm-hmm. You know, hygiene is a thing to vet. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um and so on. And then if there's any, if they have any vices that are, uh, you know, complete hard lines for you, because we have a couple of submissives going through our coaching right now that are like anti certain things, like hard, hard limits on their coaching. They've gone through their coaching and figured out for themselves that, you know, they can't have someone who's doing drugs. Yeah. You know, or they don't want a smoker or something like yes. that. And there's really nothing to go around that. Now, and, and I agree with that because for me, I've been dated a ton of people, but the reality is, well, they may say they're not going to smoke with you, but I don't want to be around them no. because everything smells like smoke. Yeah, and yeah. I don't want to. Be, that doesn't. That's not attractive to me. Doesn't at all. work for you. Yeah. So for me, it's like, no, I'm sorry. This, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think I think vetting implies getting to know somebody really, really well because mm-hmm. you're going to invite them into your most intimate inner circle space and that's why I think that word's good in the kink world because that's what it is uh, in the sense of if you're looking for a relationship versus just trying to meet in a bar and hook up you know otherwise that you can do that anywhere I mean and there's a lot of vanillas that will play with like kink anyway and not and think it was the most amazing thing they've ever experienced but you can get away with that but I think if you're looking for a relation so that you have that relational Understanding amongst you, so that the kink can grow in your relationship, then I think you have to vet them. So you have, you know, there's affinity and alignment and other parts that help the whole dynamic thrive. Because I do hear from some 
DNS dynamics that they're struggling with, it depends. Some will say, well, the kink is really good. The seeming is really good, but like, I don't even know this person or I really like this person, but the, we're just not aligned in the kink area. And that could come down to, because I really don't think people are deficient in their kink. I think it's a lot of it is communication or experience or how you're introducing it. Uh, if you're a dominant, uh, how you decide to view it as a submissive and experience it. Definitely everyone has hard limits and I get those limits are there. That's just person's preferential, you know, idea. But I think a lot of people could be more aligned. They just aren't having those conversations. I've talked about this exercise before mm-hmm. from the book called Slow Sex, mm-hmm. where you literally sit on a, you make three triangle, you make a three cushion triangle mm-hmm. and one person sits at the top of the triangle and the other person sits on one of the two cushions at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And on one cushion, you get to ask the person, what do you want me to do to you? Mm-hmm. And then you switch to the other cushion, you get to ask them, what do you want to do to me? Mm-hmm. And then you switch places and then the other, then you each have that. That conversation is such a powerful conversation because the most interesting part of sex mm-hmm. occurs when... You're doing the things you want to do. Well, yeah, when you're and when your partner's doing things to you that you <laughs> that you want done to want you. done to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the most isn't interesting that part true? of sex. And isn't yes. that the crux of training a submissive? Yes. I mean, if you think about it in its raw form, that's, that's what the, it is. That's the you want in, them to be able to do the things that you prefer, and it and everyone's wired a little different, so that's going to be different for every dynamic. Correct. And and depending on who's in the dynamic, it's going to be different. Right. Now there are lots of there are lots of factors that might produce a heightened sense of sexuality for me. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what those are, mm-hmm. then my experience of myself is a crapshoot in right. in our sexual dynamic. Right. And I might leave our sex scenes feeling like I was super satisfied one day and super unsatisfied another. And then that becomes this like place where you start getting into your head, mm-hmm. and you know you get out of your head. Talk to your partner. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of my head right now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I think I don't. I don't know if that answered all of um, no one kits questions. Yeah, but that's the gist of it. You have to start with that, and then if there's any further like detailed questions, I welcome them to come forward. But I think that's where we start. And and really, we didn't have, you might have, but I didn't have any um, guidance on that. I no. mean, really, I was really green. And so, um, but I had an instinct about, I knew what I wanted for sure. I knew that. Yeah. I knew what I would was open to doing and what I would not do. Yep. I so that, knew that. those are important. I was very clear about that. And uh, and things that I haven't experienced or I'm curious or or I just learning about for the first time, I can make those. I knew that I could make those decisions as I go. I'm pretty adventurous, so I'm often open to new things. That's yeah. not that doesn't really scare me. But there but there are certain things I'm like, nah, I'm not open to that. You know. Yeah. Um. But I think um, instinctively I knew who the type of person was that I was looking for. And so then I sought that. Sure. And I didn't waste my time. I didn't just talk to everyone because they had Dom by their name. Right. That, that was one of the first things I learned. Right. And as a dom, domine on my switch side, I'm learning all the time. There are all these people that have Dom listed by their name because they, I think they think there's a certain status and everyone likes to call themselves that, but that doesn't mean they're Dom. And they're often want, they're rarely a switch. But they don't want to write switch on there because that makes them... Diminishes them somehow. Yeah, diminishes it somehow. And, but then they want me to dominate them. Right. And I'm like, well, you're really a switch. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm right. a switch. But the reality is you're really a switch if you want me to dominate you. Right. Yeah, in my case, it occurred for me the same way. I, I figured out who I was and what I wanted first. Mm-hmm. And then I put that out into the universe. Mm-hmm. And then I chatted with the people who showed up to see if we would go past hello. Right, and that was, I, I acknowledge what you just said because it resonates with me in the sense that I, I first 
when I really came to grips with who I thought I was and going to put myself in, I originally put myself in as a slave. And as we had these <laughs> painful conversations about who I really was, uh, and I became more clear, well, then I changed my profile. Yes. I actually dropped that profile or I reamended it or something, but I changed it completely to reflect who I really was. Right. I remember that being a weird, painful process because I thought, what does this mean about me? But I also know people evolve, and so... Yeah, it's not a static... You're not static It's called a dynamic, camp. not yeah. a static, right? right. It's right. dynamic in that you grow and change in it, mm. and it's shifting roles and shifting intensities and shifting desires. Mm-hmm. And what you want, this is, this is my point of view, what you want is a play partner or a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. who has a similar mindset to you about mm-hmm. how sex should occur in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a really great connection because both of us are extremely kinky. Right. And we and both highly want sexualized. I mean, highly sexualized. I know the party by training was sexualized, but you know, you know this based on my prior relationship. It may not have been joyful, but I was having sex every day. Yeah. So, so, so I wasn't unsexed. Unsex. no. I may not have thought it was what I needed or what I was desiring. Yeah. But, 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 but I was exposed to it. So yeah. just in the pure exposure of sex, let's just say over that many years, you learn things. Yeah. I mean, you just do. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, what, what I was saying was... We, we made the determination that we were highly kinky and we yep. were sex forward. Yeah. And so, and we had like a remarkable symmetry in our like fetish list. Yep. With very little. I remember doing that. I remember grabbing your fetish list. This is part of vetting for subs. Yeah. Um, and I grabbed your fetish list. I, and you know this. You know I did this because this is how anal I am. Because I'm the organizer in the household. And so I put it into a spreadsheet. <laughs> and then I took mine and put it in a spreadsheet and resorted them. And looked to at what see, lined yeah. up. And then I co- color-coded everything that lined up to look at where how many holes we had. Wow. And then I think I actually, to be honest, I think I remember having a conversation with you about a few of them. Uh, I s- asked you about a few of them that we were not aligned on. Um, bec- because as a submissive, I... I knew I wanted to please, and I thought those could be deal breakers for you if they were hardcore. And the, what they were is you had done them, or you were interested in them, or at one time you'd you'd experience it. But you would explain to me, and I I think I grilled you quite a bit on that. And I don't know if, what it was like, um, if it was knife play I'm or to what. This conversation, yeah. But I remember like saying, "Well, what does that mean?" I asked you for specifics, yeah. and you said something like, "Well, I'll carve my name in or something." I was like. So I had to really sit with that for a little bit and go, and and this again is when I'm talking as a slave. So yeah. I'm like sitting to myself thinking, huh, I wonder if I can even do that. I don't know if that's in my thing. And, but it wasn't, I would say it was a hard, harder limit for me. Yeah. But it, but although, my pleasing may outweigh some of that. Although, although I, you did it, when I pulled that pocket knife out of my pocket last night, you mm-hmm. did look at it and grin Grand. at me. <laughs> I did. Well, and then and you did do that, and that was part of. I think, I just think you saw me before I saw myself. Um, I mean, you did the the figging early on when we weren't we hadn't met yet. Yeah. To determine if it's worth having a meeting, because right. the idea is you're not gonna. Um, which in at the time I didn't understand this, but. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I now understand why would you do that. Well, okay, you're sadist, and you enjoy a masochist. I mean, that's really clear. And I don't know if I was completely clear what a masochist was, or if I was. I kind of joked about it, and yeah. all my life I've been kind of, I've kind of said I have been. I've I've kind of said I've been both, like a sadistic masochist, because I play both roles. Well, that's my switchy side, and so. I had never heard of figging before, and when you gave me that task, I did it, because I'm going to please. It doesn't mean it was pleasant, but I did it. But it also wasn't like, I'm going to red out on this. It was more of a challenge for me to... 
well, test the, myself. The, the, task, the task required you to masturbate and come three times. With it with, in with for the, like half an hour or something Over crazy. half an hour, like every 10 minutes you had to masturbate. Mm-hmm. And you had to come three times, and then you had to meditate with it in your ass for oh, a, I about half an end. hour. That was hard at the end. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I asked you how it occurred to you afterwards, and you explained to me. And sent, I was like, God, I don't know what you want to know. You sent me the videos yeah. of you masturbating to orgasm with the with mm-hmm. a ginger in your ass. Yep, the three and, different times. And then you sent me a video of you meditating, and then you afterwards we chatted about it. I remember I was walking down at the park over there. Mm-hmm. When you and I were chatting, and and I asked you what occurred, and you said something to the effect of, while I was meditating, I had this like feeling up my back, and it was mm-hmm. it was like this like almost out of body experience, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I have to meet you, <laughs> because what you had shown to me was that, in addition to everything else that I knew about you up to then, mm-hmm. you were uninhibited, you were sex forward, you were anxious to put yourself forward like there were a lot of there were a lot of boxes you were checking for me oh yeah the one that was urgent for me to be clear about was if you identified as a masochist Mm -hmm. and so once you executed that task I said to you then I have to meet you because in my mind you're a masochist you gave this task to me again too after that point Later, later yeah I remember having to go into an Albertsons. Yeah. I had nothing with me, and I couldn't go home because that was already after I had done a separation with my yeah. ex. So it was hostile at home. So he was listening at the door. and Right. Faking is... Can be... Noisy. noisy. Yeah, can be. I can be quiet. Well, this, and so then I went and found Ginger in the market, and yeah. I had to find a peeler yeah. in the market. I had to go buy all this. And then I had to go into their bathroom, yeah. which was one stall, and God knows, it's never busy. I've been in that bathroom, I don't know how many times, buying donuts for the teams or whatever I've been doing for work, and all of a sudden, I go in the bathroom, and it's, I'm in there, and this is, you told me I had to keep it in for 15 minutes or something like that, and do some, I think it was Edge or something. It was just a, it was just a simple on-the-way-home task you were having me do. Because sometimes you knew at home it was stressful. And there's a damn person there with their kid waiting to get in the bathroom. And then, of course, I'm in there for a few minutes, but they want to go bad. And so they bang on the door, which I think was rude anyway, because I was really literally in there. They had walked in and stood for two minutes and were already knocking. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going, you know, but I'm figging this whole time and I'm trying to get through it. And. I did, and made the person pissed off, and I had to do it in complete silence, and it was just like, it was stressful, but what I want to speak to is, it's about pleasing you. That's the goal for me. Um, I don't know how to explain why that occurred to me that way, but I remember in that moment going, I put myself through all of this, why? You know, why would I really do that? I really had no concern. I didn't want to fig, but I had no real concern about the figging process per se. It was just, I have to execute this task. I have to, I have to get this task done. And so that was just one of those profound moments where I go, God, I, have, I am in this. I have to be in this zone. This is definitely where I'm at. This is the lane I'm supposed to be in. Um, and then I knew I couldn't go back. I remember driving home that day thinking... I, this is, I got to get out of this marriage as quick as possible. You know, it was already, I already separated. I, we were coexisting. But at that point, I was very motivated, like, this is it. And and you realize, you gave that to me close to the end of summer. And by the, um, we then started meeting in mid-September. And then in October, I was gone. So... Yeah, so it, I mean, it, it was clarifying seem like a lot, you. but it was very clarifying. Like no, I was like, was, within six weeks, I was out of the house. It was basically. clarifying for you. Like it was yeah. deeply clarifying for mm-hmm. you. I remember that because yeah. I was counting the weeks. I remember counting the weeks. Yeah. So, so it's really this is really a great way to end this conversation because yeah. because what we've determined is that a re- our relationship began as an inquiry online. It, it, we were then vetted through our, like, 
profiles. Then we were vetted through texting and communication. Mm-hmm. Then you were vetted through a task. Mm-hmm. We we had met in person a couple times. You we talked had talked a lot on the phone. to me. We we did talking as a dominant submissive, but we had lots of conversations also in there of just normal vanilla conversations. Yeah, especially when you went uh, to Europe. Yeah, and what I found was interesting about that is that you were a person. You weren't this. This, this, this mythical char- figure. This caricature yes. D, yeah. the big D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I get why that happens, Yeah. but I also know the pitfalls of that. It's yeah. just like with my professional career, when they think you're the head coach, head con- honcho, yeah. they put a certain thing with that. And that creates other issues. And so what I got to experience you as, and truly what one of the things that helped me, not helped me, I don't, that's not a good word, but allowed me access to seeing you as a person, like a whole person, were those conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, and then as we progress down and you, and you offer yourself, um, you offer me a safe haven to stay, it's the culmination of all of those text and and Communication. communications and phone calls prior to us even spending weekends together right. and then of course when we spend more cumulative time together in person intimate time we're doing scening um i'm seeing you in your kink context and in your just regular life regular context, context. Yeah. and i like all of it yeah and then i'm like okay this is a person I'll say one more thing, and that is that the last vetting experience we had mm-hmm. that was truly vetting. The claiming? No. no. Before that. Before that. We took a walk together down to the beach with a bottle of wine, and we <laughs> sat talking. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're right. And, we did and, do that. And you had, you had done a deep dive into all of my writing. Yeah, and so you right. had a bunch of specific questions about like where did you grow up and da, da da da, and you really like made it your business to know me, like you made it your business to know me. Well, and that's yeah, that's how I am. Yeah, but 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 my point is, you were vetting me like to that degree, and I was vetting you too. Because I was seriously too. considering you, so I yes. was like, I want to know who this person is. Right. Exactly. So so the 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 point is. That from April to September, there was a vetting process occurring. It took April, May, June, July, August, and September for us to get to a point where we would... And let me give you some context on this. So that's us, if you want to call it a DS courtship, let's just say. And so, because people ask us often, how do I get what you have? Right. So we're kind of laying out. I'm not saying your recipe will look exactly like no. ours. It won't. But we're kind of laying out the pattern. Yes. And what I say to this is my father and mother, within three months, they were married. Right. So do you see what I'm saying? And because we had both been married before, and we knew the pitfalls of marriage. We knew we didn't want marriage again. Yeah. We wanted a partner that we could explore the life with. And the reality is, when when I found out that's where you were, because I was not like going to get married. No, I I've always thought that that's just a piece of paper. The only reason I ever got married really was because I was going to have children, and I had to make it legal. Yeah. And so no. the point is, is I wanted someone I could trust without that piece of paper. Yeah. You know. And, and I'll 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 one up your parents. Oh. My ex wife and I had one date. We moved in the first day. Oh, you moved in, yeah. And then we got, then we lived together for three years. Then we got right. married. Right. Okay, but and right. I'm worse because I right. lived with mine for seven or nine years or something like that before. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, and and I think within three months I was living with mine yeah. too. However, but neither of us did very well in that. Process. Neither of us did well, and, and and however, my parents are now uh, well, nearly eighty and they're still speak, together. You can't speak to their kink though. No, 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 and and they're not me. No, no, for sure. And they're not you. I'm no. just saying there's a there's a sweet spot for each couple, yes. each dynamic yeah. that's created, yeah. and you have to really figure it out. And I think, I I think I know I listen to my instincts based on my prior experiences in life. Right. And I and I think clearly we knew exactly what each of us wanted, whether it aligned. We didn't know that yet, but. 
the reality is as it started to click into place, I was willing to go have more meetings, more conversations. Right. Now, uh, something that's unspoken in those meetings mm-hmm. are, is there chemistry, are there pheromones? Mm-hmm. You know? So, so like when know. we first met, I was immediately like, yes. Yeah. And you may guffaw at that or whatever, but I knew immediately. I was like, yep. Now, yeah. that's that means I could easily jump your bones or something like that. But the reality is, I am, you know this about me, I'm a sapiosexual. I have to have connection. So yeah. we had connection, but now we're meeting the first time in person. So I'm getting reaffirmed on you know, you see the one picture, but I got to, I really want to see you. Like, I want to talk with you. I want yeah. to, like all the things we talked about, <laughs> hygiene, all the things that happen when you meet somebody. And can I have an easygoing conversation with you or is it stressful? That's right. one thing I knew with DS dynamics. There's sometimes a bit of a hierarchy there. It feels like for some people and that can they even talk? I get in a scene, I'm extremely suggestible and I'm compliant, I, I believe. I want to just like put a note in that and talk about that you're in a hypnotic state. We had, we yeah, had a we conversation, had conversation yesterday. We had that conversation. Got confirmed figured, we got confirmed. Yeah. Then you get into the a Nebraska hypnotic state. hypnotist. Yeah. Based on what I explained to him, my state, I, I probably am getting hypnotic. Yeah. I'm a hypnotist. You are a hypnotist. <laughs> You're magical and a hypnotist. Now, now, you had some kink in the news. Did you want to share that? Mm. Not today. No. Okay, we'll come back to now. that. We'll come back to the fish? Yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to the fish yeah. later. Right. All right, I'm complete. I am complete. That's it for today. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory. We also have an RSS feed. If you're interested in online coaching for kinksters or online domination, you can visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. And if you're uh, having comments or suggestions or drink ideas for our podcast, you can email me at LadyPetraPlayground at gmail.com. That's it. That's it. Cheers. Cheers.